on today's episode of the Real Foodology podcast. And start kids off at the very beginning on these nutrient-dense foods. You talked about the flavor window and the palate development, you know, that's permanent. That yep. six months to 18 months flavor window, that your palate preferences are formed for life. So all these sugary purees are really leading, leading to that sugar addiction, leading to, of course, the children's food industry is also full of sugar and grain, which we want to eventually change and make children's food products. You know, but that's, but that's like, you know, we change it ourselves and start to trust our, ourselves and then really set our, our kids up for success from day one. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Swan. I cannot believe that we have done over 100 episodes. This is wild. I'm so grateful for you, the listeners, for continuing to show up and listen and support me. While I'm on that subject, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you would leave a rating and review, that means so much to me. It helps the show grow. It helps me to get it into more ears, which is ultimately the goal because I want to see humans happy, healthy, and thriving. Today's episode is one that I am so passionate about, baby food. I sat down with Joe and Serenity of Serenity Kids. If you are not aware of Serenity Kids, definitely go check them out. I am leaving some links in the show notes for you guys. They're the only baby food company that is doing what they're doing. That's creating really high quality food for babies that is not just full of sugar and grains. Everything is grain-free. They use organic grass-fed meats, organic veggies, and everything comes from regenerative farms. This is huge. I don't know how much you guys know about baby food, but if you just go down the aisle in any grocery store and you pick up uh, any of the baby foods and look at it, they're all grain, mostly rice, and fruit-based. There's not a single product on the shelf, except for Serenity Kids now, that's providing real nutritious food for kids. So we dive into this. We dive into the importance of healthy foods for babies and infants. We talk about arsenic in rice, something that you're really going to want to pay attention to. Um, What differentiates their food products from all the other ones on the market? We also talk about the formula shortage and the formula that they have created that is, in my opinion, the most superior formula on the market. And I'm so excited about it because... Someone needed to do this. It is such a long time coming, and I'm just, I'm so excited about this episode, you guys. So with that, let's just get into the episode. I hope you love it. Oh, I almost forgot. Before we get into the episode, if you guys are interested in trying Serenity Kids, they gave me a discount code. It's Real Foodology, and you're going to save 15%. So when you go to serenitykids.com, go in the show notes, click on the link, and use code Real Foodology, and you're going to save 15% on all their baby products. One of the things that I really struggle with the most is falling asleep at night. And this is why I love Cured Nutrition because I have found that their product Zen in combination with CBN has really helped me to fall asleep quicker. It is a combination of magnesium, reishi, CBD, and then it has things like passionflower, ashwagandha. All of these just help to calm the mind and calm the body and get you ready for bed. And then I also take their raw CBN nighttime hemp oil CBN is known specifically for creating uh, more relaxation than CBD does. So the combination of these two together has really helped me to fall asleep quicker. I'm obsessed with Cured Nutrition and all of their products because they go above and beyond their commitment to high quality, organic, healthy products is above and beyond 
any other CBD company I've seen. If, if you want to try these products or any of the other cured products, go to curednutrition.com slash realfoodology. That is cured, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com slash realfoodology. Hopefully by now you guys have heard me talk enough about Organifi to know that I'm obsessed with this company. First and foremost, I know I say this every time, but seriously, I cannot stress enough how important this is. Organifi is glyphosate residue free. So not only are they organic and non-GMO, but we can find comfort knowing that we're not going to get any glyphosate along with our micronutrients. I drink their green juice every single morning. It's super convenient because it's actually freeze dried. So all you have to do is add your favorite liquid to it and you get a combination of 11 organic non-GMO superfoods, which help reset your body and support your hormones in a healthy way, supports flushing out the body and feeding the cells. It helps improve immune response and also helps reduce stress thanks to the ashwagandha that's in there. I also drink their Pure every single podcast that I record because it helps with my mental clarity. And then they have another product that I haven't even talked about yet, the Red Juice, which is made specifically for energy support, but it's caffeine-free. It's just an organic blend of different vegetables and fruits and other components that help provide natural energy for the body. They so kindly gave me a code to share with you, and that code is RealFoodology for 20% off all Organifi products at Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Or you can go directly to Organifi.com slash Real Foodology. So I want to know what brought you guys into the health scene? Like how did you get into making uh, high quality baby food? Well, my dad ate yogurt and wheat germ when I was a kid. So he, he was kind of always been in the health scene. Um, so I sort of grew up around that, but I was in general a sick little kid and I had just a lot of stomach pain, digestive problems, a lot of anxiety, insomnia, weird stuff. But I thought that it was just permanent and I had to live that way. And I thought stomachs mm-hmm. were just supposed to hurt. Um, and I started taking antacids when I was about 15 and I remember getting my first car and loving it because I could go buy my own Tums from the drugstore whenever my stomach hurt. Um, and then fast forward 20 years and I've been taking antacids every day for most of my life and they stopped working and I went to the doctor and she gave me, uh, another fancier pill to take every day. And she said, I'd have to take it every day for the rest of my life. And I didn't like that answer. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I called my dad, the health nerd and I'm like, dad, what do I do? And he said, you know, maybe you should try changing your diet. I sent you that book last year for Christmas on the paleo diet. And I thought it sounded super dumb, you know, eat like a caveman. Like this was 12 years ago and I never, you know, I thought it sounded super dumb, but I was desperate. So I tried it and it worked. And I realized that food was a big part of my health journey and, or, you know, basically not even food. I was eating garbage. I was eating trash from the industrial food system and waste, literal waste from the industrial food system. So once I kind of added nutrient-dense veggies in, taught my stomach how to do its own thing and get heal it and get it better, um, things were better for me. Yeah. I'm autistic. I wasn't diagnosed as a child. So had a lot of social challenges, of course, but a lot of physical challenges as well. Very sensitive to toxins, to inflammation. I was overweight as a kid. I was a very picky eater. I basically lived on uh, uh, 
canned ravioli and nachos, all foods that turned out to be highly inflammatory to me. So in my journey to integrate autism, changing my diet was a part of that, exploring the role diet played, but really meeting Serenity, you know, she introduced me to the paleo diet and fell in love with her and the paleo diet at the same time. And really discovered that that focusing on, on meats and, and veggies and fats, cutting out the processed foods, the grains, the sugars, industrial seed oils, that that was really helped me feel a lot better. And so food was, was hugely important to both of us. So as soon as we started family planning, the first thing we thought was baby food. Like, what are we going to feed this baby so that they don't turn out like we did, yeah. <laughs> all sick? And we went looking for baby foods and were very disappointed with what we found. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's so interesting? So, um, Serenity, I have a similar story to you, although it was my mom that was super into health, not my dad. And I specifically remember when my brother was little, she would puree all the food herself because she was like, I can't find anything healthy because the Gerbers and all the other things on the market are super sugary and all they are made out of basically is like fruit and grains, which is the exact opposite of what babies need. Like growing brains need animal proteins. They need high quality fats. So when I found your food, I was like, oh my God, this is so genius. Why is it taking someone so long to do this? We thought the same thing. In fact, it took me, I don't know, six months to really believe that no one else was doing it because it was such a no brainer. I looked in France, I looked in Canada, I looked all over the world to try to find these baby foods and they just didn't exist. And now that we're doing it, I know why they're not doing it. It's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. There was no supply chain built out for business to business transactions of like regenerative meats and certain kinds of oils and certain kinds of ingredients. We had to build that out ourselves. And then the manufacturing is also really hard. We're making our veggie and meat purees on equipment designed for fruits. So we needed to do some special welding and calibrations of those machines because the texture of the puree is different. And we had a lot of failed attempts at doing the first few pouch runs because of that difference in viscosity and the texture. Um, and it's expensive, right? Our ingredient, you know, thinking about buying applesauce compared to ground grass-fed beef or regeneratively farmed beef, like there's a huge cost difference. So making those numbers work really probably only work for either little companies like ours that just don't have a lot of overhead and we can figure out how to make that work or huge companies with massive scale and just tons of cash to throw at problems. Um, but because we're the former, we were little and scrappy and have figured it out. And also we're not the cheapest pouch on the aisle. And there are a lot of big companies that weren't willing to take that risk. Can we launch a pouch that's double the price, that's triple or quadruple the nutrition? Um, will people buy it? And so we were that test case. Yes, of course they will. Their moms were begging us for it. We meet people at trade shows all the time that say, man, I wish I'd had this when my kid was, was young, you know? And, you know, I stayed up until midnight pureeing his foods because mm -hmm. there was nothing that I was willing to feed him and I was a full-time mom. Things are, I had a full-time job and was mom. Things like that. So um, for us, it like, it's given me goosebumps. I just feel so happy to be able to support those parents that are looking for that better nutrient-dense option, but also still live in this crazy world and need something convenient. And also, we're able to 
make it taste great. When you use really high quality ingredients and balance it out okay, you don't need those sugars and those kind of fillers to get the baby to eat it. I'll never forget the first time we did a, a run or a, we did a test batch at our house. I remember I was driving home from my my job. We you know, I had two other jobs when we started this company. And I called Joe and I was like, Joe, maybe no one is making this food because babies won't eat it. We've got to find a baby. We didn't have a baby at the time, you know? So I'm like, do we know any babies? Can we try to make it and get some babies to eat it? And we had, I had one like paleo friend who had a, how old was Orion? Like eight, like a, eight yeah, months old yeah, or something. Maybe a year. Yeah. And we bought some little empty squeezy pouches on Amazon with this little homemade filler. You could make your own pouches, you know, moms can make their own pouches. And we had a bunch of fights trying to weigh and measure things in the kitchen, making teeny amounts. You know, we'd never done this before. And we, we drove them all around and delivered them to people. And they were not shelf stable. So with, we had to deliver them all the same day. They had to eat them in like two or three days. And I'll never forget, she sent me a picture of her kid holding the pouch. And she sent me a blurb that says, um, he sucked the whole thing down and wouldn't let me have the pouch back. He's been playing with it all day. And like, I remember I, I started crying because I thought these babies know what's up. These babies know what's up. They want good fats. They want good meats. They want healthy veg and they don't need a bunch of sugary fruits to, to feel satisfied and happy. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that story so much. Well, that's the thing. Like kids are very intuitively connected to what their body needs. And not only that, but these beginnings, this beginning stage of life is absolutely imperative that kids are fed nutritious foods. And it's crazy to me that we don't put more of an emphasis on that. Like you look at the ingredients of the baby food on the shelf, you look at the formulas, which I want to go into in a little bit. And it's crazy to me that this is probably one of the most imperative times for a human because their brain is developing, their body is growing, and we're feeding them just complete garbage ingredients. So for people that are not aware of Serenity Kids, what differentiates your food from others on the market? You know, it's funny. It's about the only thing that's the same is that it's in a pouch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, puree. The, the, it's a pouch puree. So the format is the same, uh, which was intentional because we wanted to make it easy for parents to switch and to find us. Uh, but otherwise, we're completely different what's inside. You know, we our recipes mimic the macronutrients of breast milk. We're the first people to do that, to really take breast milk as the template. And that's a, a very important fat to carb ratio. That's about equal fat and carbs. There was no other fat on the aisle. There's still pretty much no other fat on the aisle. Like we're the only ones that have any amount of fat in our products. Ours all have that's at least crazy. five grams of fat per pouch. Babies need 30 grams of fat a day. You know, uh, they say that wow. before the age of two, half their calories should come from fat. So fat's and that, and that's really conventional, important. conventional mainstream, which yeah. I was surprised The about. science, everybody agrees yeah. fat's mm -hmm. key for babies. And yet there was no fat on the aisle. There's still like still nobody's putting fat in baby food. You know, we're the only ones to have good meat. Nobody's used any kind of animal products. They, there's a few other products with, with meat in them that were pretty gross. They, they're hard to find. They don't taste good. They mix grain with it. And, and fruit, like Sometimes chicken, quinoa, and blueberry, yeah. and things like that. Yeah, it's weird. I know. 
it's those strange recipes that don't sell well because they taste bad and then they're you know trying to keep costs down and like we're not focused on cost we're focused on quality so we have we have meat we have fat uh we're entirely vegetable forward first ingredient of all our products is a vegetable which is also unique mostly it's it's fruit is the first ingredient and so we don't use any fruits you'll never find sugary fruits in our products um but we always have vegetables uh you know we're family owned we're the only leading baby food company that is run by parents you know most the the other big companies are all huge conglomerates yeah big food executives that that we're feeding this to our kid every day all our staff feed this to their babies on a daily basis you know we're one of the only ones that's heavy metal tested so if there's a lot of controversy around heavy metals and baby food and all the major brands were called out for having uh you know lots of of heavy metals in their in their products so ours are clean label projects certified that they're uh you know the lowest levels in the industry we have a quality program second to none um and then we we support regenerative agriculture which you know there's very few few uh baby foods have any kind of, of sustainable or, or sourcing story at all, you know, let alone the best sourcing. Like you don't even know the sourcing of most of those products. Well, it's organic. That's yeah, all you they know. know it's certified organic, but you don't know where and what the practices were and what, how big the farms were. So you can read all about all our farms on our website. You know, we're committed to supporting regenerative agriculture and buying the, the best possible meat, pasturage and regeneratively farmed meats. Um, so there's more, but that those are the highlights. <laughs> I love it. I mean, you're just speaking my language right now. I can't wait till I have kids because this is what I will be feeding my kids as well. Um, like we mentioned in the very beginning, we met at a regenerative farming conference and this is a conversation I'm very passionate about. I talk about it all the time. I have multiple podcast episodes, so I'll just tell people to go back and reference those cause I wanted to stay focused on your food, but I just love your commitment to the quality of food. And what I, what I'm trying to understand is how did we get to this place where you guys are the only baby food company that are making these like high quality products? What, how do we get this so messed up where everything we're offering to kids is sugary and grains, whereas what they need to be having is fat and proteins? Like what, how did we mess this up so bad? It didn't used to be that way. And I didn't, I didn't plan this, but there's a great book called Inventing Baby Food. So the first baby foods were like liver and onion puree, bone broth and liver, um, meat purees. So back in the you know, post-World War II, World War II era, era of when we started canning foods, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, there was that. And then, I don't know, the 60s and 70s hit and people needed to find cost reductions. There were um, not necessarily as as good a quality options available that, that kept going, right? From a, like I said, from business to business perspective. And I guess it just sort of fell out of favor. Also, as you probably know, the sugar industry started lobbying for fat to be labeled as bad. So that trickled down into the baby food aisle, we figure. Um, It's like the low-fat movement plus the vegan-vegetarian meat-is-bad movement. Essentially, all the health food experts were saying, don't feed meat and feed low-fat. And that ended up on the baby food aisle. We see that corrected in most of the rest of the aisle, mm-hmm. most of the rest of the store. Now we've seen more and more good meats. We're seeing more quality fats, you know, but baby, nobody had done it on baby yet. And so we were really the first. And because baby food's dominated by such large co- companies, it takes them forever to, to do anything new. And they wow. just, they're just dinosaurs in that regard. So we've been selling for four years now. There's still been zero competition. I mean, nobody's tried to do what we're doing. 
going well, down. Well, we had someone make veggies plus fat. The Happy Baby came it out with a really bad. bad tasting, and they only did two and a half grams of fat. So they tried. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the veggies and fat line is our lowest selling line. Like our meat, our meat products are the most popular. The veggie fats are kind of supplementary. So they copied our like lower selling line, and they didn't do very well. We're seeing more veggie forward stuff. We're seeing lower mm -hmm. sugar stuff. Like yep. they are trying to get the sugar out. They're trying to get more vegetables in. But this like plant powered whole movement of like plant-based blah you know? blah blah is still just so big and people that because that was two years ago that's when they started innovating it takes them two years three years to get a product out just now we're seeing that stuff come out so we hope that people copy us we'd really like yeah. to see more meat we'd really like to see more fat more diversity like we want to see the whole aisle change to get to get rid of the grain, to heavy metal test everything, to you know lower the the sugar or take it out entirely and and bring meat back. Because when I read Melissa Hartwood's Wood's book um, Whole Thirty, you know I don't remember what the name of the book. It starts with food. Was the name of the book? She said every bite counts. And I remember thinking about that. You know, she's thinking about it for a grown-up, for me. So, like every bite that I take, I can choose: do I want to add nutrition to my body or not? And when you're feeding a baby, the exact same thing applies magnified a hundred times because feeding a baby sucks. It's hard trying to get spoonfuls yeah. in, trying to figure it out. So we want it, we know, now we have a baby even after we started the company, right? And so we know how hard that is and we wanted to make everybody really truly count. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Well, and I've read, so I don't have a baby myself, but I have read that um, this is why it's so important in the very beginning to introduce them as many foods as possible because you really want to introduce their palate to everything. And that's what's so sad and scary about like everything being so sugary and sweetened now is that we are training their palates to be just craving massive amounts of sugar at such a young age. And then we're scratching our heads wondering why the obesity rates are rising, chronic diseases are rising. And again, like you said, every bite counts and it really starts in those beginning stages, you know? And it's interesting that you brought up that, um, the, the low fat movement. I had, I actually never thought about this in equation with baby food, but there was that famous Harvard, Harvard study in like, I think it was the seventies where they found that it was actually sugar that was causing heart disease. But then the sugar industry stepped in, they paid off those scientists and then cued the low fat movement. And that makes so much sense. So then we made everyone fear fat and then it moved into baby food, which is, horrifying because what you mentioned earlier about breast milk, if you look at the components of breast milk, it's mostly fat and nature didn't get it wrong. So why are we not mimicking that? The brain's made of fat. Their brain is, you know, doubling in size. Their body's doubling size. The spine is fat. All vitamins are, you know, absorbed, you know, fat, fat soluble vitamins need fat. So it's, it's, it's tragic, you it know, tragic. like it's 30 grams of fat a day they need. And instead, yeah. when we did our, our, our study of all the, the baby foods on the aisle before our products, it was an average of nine grams of sugar per pouch. And babies are eating two, three of those a day. You get 30 grams of sugar instead of fat, and you've got a Snickers bar worth of sugar mm -hmm. that you're giving to a tiny little baby. That would be like you or me eating 300 grams of fat or, or sugar. You know, nine grams doesn't sound like much for one pouch, but that's 90 grams for you or me. You know, and so it's like, and that's just pure fruit, which all the vitamins have been boiled out of, you know, processed fruit purees. So maybe whole fruit might have some, some vitamin oh, yeah. content in addition to the sugar, but those fruit purees, like there's nothing left, like it's the equivalent of jam. Yeah, exactly. Those purees, uh, they boil them down so intensely that any sort of vitamins and nutrients are boiled out of there. Oh my 
gosh, it's so, it just makes me so sad because there are so many parents that aren't aware of this. I would say over this last year, one of my main health focuses has really been cognitive function and protecting my brain. I really think we're going to start hearing more about this. We are realizing the importance of protecting our brain and maximizing our cognitive function. And thanks to breakthroughs in science with things like nootropics, we are realizing that we can also do this without the harmful side effects of pharmaceutical drugs. We can actually do it naturally um, and more effectively. So I personally have been really intrigued by nootropics and adaptogens. Both are scientifically backed and researched to improve cognitive function. They help with memory. They help with productivity. They help with focus. And if you're doing it right, it can also help with stress. This is why I'm a huge fan of Magic Mind. Magic Mind is the world's first productivity drink. And all it is, is it's a little matcha shot that is full of adaptogens, nootropics, and just a little bit of honey. The matcha gives you a little boost of energy, but there's also L-theanine in there, which helps calm the nervous system so you're not so stressed out. There's also ashwagandha in there that also helps with stress. Cordyceps mushrooms help with energy. And then there's a couple of nootropics in there that really help with the cognitive function so that you can boost your productivity and focus better on your tasks at hand so you can improve your work, your schoolwork, whatever it is that you have to accomplish that day. It really does help you. I cannot stress enough how much I love this stuff. And also, if you use my code, you'll save 20% off to try it. So if you go to magicmind.co and use code realfoodology, you're going to save 20%. I hope you love it. So I want to ask you for people... um, that may not understand why. So why did you guys go grain-free? I know there's an issue about arsenic in the rice. So maybe if we want to talk about that too, because I think a lot of people don't know about that. Yep. Grain-free in general. So our family has been grain-free. I mean, Joe and I have been grain-free for years. And the reason that we chose that was primarily two reasons. One, it's just not as nutritious. So if you're take, if you're comparing bite for bite, and you look at a bite of grass-fed meat, and you look at a bite of wheat, you're gonna get way much more nutrition in the meat bite. Or even squash or potatoes, right? Vegetables compared to grains. That's right. Much higher vitamin content. And then also grain is inflammatory and it wreaks havoc on the gut. It's very hard to digest. Those little seeds are not meant to be digested. Like mother nature created those seeds to propagate those plants. And any animals that eat them, those seeds were designed to withstand the digestive tract and be excreted by those animals somewhere farther away and to keep propagating that plant, right? It's that plant's way of reproducing. So even though we ground them up, those dangerous chemicals that are in there that are, that are kind of coating the germ that are trying to make it through the digestive tract, they're still there and they're inflammatory. And, you know, Rob Wolf has a famous blog, like how to keep poop out of your bloodstream or something. And and I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to change everything. <laughs> so, Those are frequently yeah. called anti-nutrients. Yeah. And not only do they you not digest the grain, but it takes all the rest of the food you ate with it. Like causes it, leaky gut. It, it reduces the nutritional impact of the rest of your foods yeah. uh, and, and and then creates inflammation in the process. I mostly eat grain-free because I discovered this as well. And I started paying attention to the different foods that I was eating and and recognizing, okay, oatmeal makes me feel like shit. I can do a little bit of rice. Like there's certain things I can do a little bit of, but I think, um, yeah, it's important. Once you start tuning into your body, you really start taking note of the things that you feel sick on and inflammatory. And 
Yeah. So it's cool. I also think you guys might be the first baby food, um, like snacks on the market that are grain free. We are. That's right. It's crazy. Cool. Like you said, it was all sugar and grain. It was either fruit purees in the pouches or grains in the puffs, bars, teething biscuits, all that was, it was, it was mostly gluten free. You know, mostly there's still some mm -hmm. gluten, but mm -hmm. it's all rice or white rice flour, which, you know, there's, you know, there's people with gluten intolerance, which, you know, maybe rice is a little better for them, but rice is still, you know, pretty inflammatory. Uh, certainly I've been monitoring our, our, our glucose a lot. Mm -hmm. We've been wearing glucose monitors and looking at our blood sugar and grains also are, you know, you know empty carbs, like they convert to sugar really quickly. So we say sugar and grain, it's almost the same thing in the body, like the grains and those kinds of empty carbs just go straight to the blood sugar. Like for me, white rice is the same as, uh, like if I eat a, a gluten-free hot, you know, hamburger bun, I might as well eat a, a like a donut. You know, it's yeah. like the same thing. And then speaking of rice, you mentioned arsenic earlier. Mm -hmm. The way that arsenic kind of pollutes our water system and, and rice is grown with a lot of water. A lot of the rice in this kind of, well, I'll just say in the world period, yeah. is heavy on the arsenic. And a lot of other rice-based baby puffs have been known to have extremely high levels of arsenic, which is a neurotoxin. And mm -hmm. Babies' brains are growing a lot in their first couple of years of life. And so you want to keep those brains as neurotoxin free as possible. So we did, we opted for using cassava, which is a root vegetable. Thoroughly tested because roots also can get heavy metals from being in the soil. So we have, you know, very high standards for that. So like we said, we feed these to, to our daughter. Uh, but yes, the rice supply is so contaminated, it's almost impossible to get arsenic-free rice. And I mean, it was even hard to find ars low arsenic and low, I mean, just really low lead levels of cassava too. At first, I didn't think we were going to be able to make the Puffs product because I knew it had to be grain-free, which meant no rice. And then the cassava that we were finding also was not low enough to meet our standards. So we finally found a really clean supplier out of Nicaragua and our super, I mean, I'm really proud of that Puffs product. It's a snack. So I, could, I was buying, occasionally I was buying those rice puffs for my own kid because at some point she just needs, it's something to kind of occupy her while I'm cooking. Yeah, something to kind of practice picking up and eating. And so it's a little embarrassing, but I did buy those a few times. And so now people don't have to do that. And we put our, our puffs, I'm really proud of because they actually taste like the vegetables that, that they're named. And that's because they have dried ground up vegetable powder on the outside. We really wanted to ex to excite their flavor window when you're wanting to expose kids to a lot of different flavors. And this early, you know, the six to, you know, eight to 18 month time frame is really the time when you would want to do it. And so our like broccoli spinach puff tastes like broccoli and tastes like spinach. We also dehydrated bone broth. Yeah, like the first, exciting. And so we include so cool. bone broth in some of the puffs. So they have a couple of grams of protein also. And we're the first, as far as I know, the first one to snackify bone broth. We're also, we're the first bone broth on the baby aisle anyway, um, both in our bone broth pouches and in our puffs. But particularly this, this uh, proprietary dehydrated bone broth is really cool ingredient that mm -hmm. we're finding lots of new ways to use. And they taste, it tastes great, right? Bone broth tastes good. So yeah. you put that on kind of some cassava snack with some veggie powder and they're like addictive. Introduce I can't, I can't open them in my office. When we do taste tests, I'm like, get those things away from me. <laughs> I will just eat the whole can. So they taste great. And they're really unique flavors I've noticed too. I'm I'm a fan of the puffs. I've had canisters of them in my, in my pantry before. My friends are like, why do you have baby food? I'm like, guys, they're really good. Trust me. 
Okay, so I want to talk about formula because this is a really hot topic right now. Um, Obviously, with that formula shortage, when we started dealing with this shortage, obviously, it's devastating. However, at the same time, my thinking was as someone that knows how horrible the ingredients are in those formulas... I, my first thought was, oh, thank God, now women are going to be forced to find other options, whether that be breast milk banks or other companies like yourselves that actually have it in stock that are making cleaner options. Um, like when there's a will, there's a way, right? And when you look at the ingredients of the conventional formula, I mean, the first time I ever looked at the back of one of those, I was, I think my jaw literally dropped because there's corn syrup solids, there's seed oils, there's synthetic vitamins. I'm trying to remember what else is in conventional formula that's trash. Soy, yes. there's a corn. lot of maltodextrin, tons yeah. of corn. It's basically corn and soy and industrial seed oils. And, the, and non-fat that conventional milk, like the skim lowest milk. grade skim milk you could buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you think about what's not even on the label, so without milk... Um, comes from conventional cows. So there's growth hormones in there that, and probably the antibiotics and maybe pharmaceuticals or whatever it was that those cows are eating and genetically modified corn, wheat, and soy, which is sprayed with pesticides. Like I could go on. It's crazy. I'm a mom. And so I get real mad and I want to advocate for those babies. So I think it's disgusting and criminal and should be stopped. But as a mom, I also did feed formula to my kid because I had trouble nursing and you can't actually buy breast milk. It's illegal to buy someone's breast milk. So milk banks are really only used for premature babies, which is amazing. Plug for milk banks. If you've got extra milk bank, if you've got extra milk stashed moms, don't throw it out. Find a milk bank to donate it to because it keeps those babies literally alive. It's amazing. But I had to feed formula to my kid about, at about starting about nine months. Um, and it was brutal. It was, it was brutal. I remember, I mean, I just cried and cried because I knew that I had to feed her something that I wasn't going to like, right? Yeah. And I did a ton of research and I ended up settling on a whole wide range of options. I would drive out every week to a, a goat dairy farm outside of town and I would buy her a bunch of raw goat's milk that had been tested for bacteria and all those things. So she loved that stuff. And then I fed her two different formulas. One was a German goat milk formula that I didn't really like, but it was, you know, better. Those are evil. Better than the yeah. other bad ones. And Is it Hall or Holly? Holla. Mm-hmm. I used yeah. the Holla goat milk. And then another one I used was called Sammy's milk. And it was technically a toddler formula, but I had read a bunch of Facebook posts from other parents because it still had industrial seed oils, but it wasn't like the worst kinds. I think it was like um, high oleic sunflower oil. And so I was, and it had um, methylated B vitamins. So I was like, okay, I don't really want folic acid in my formula. So this one was, was a decent one. It also had molasses. It had fish oil. It was brown and smelled like fish, which was a little rough sometimes, you know, to feed it to my kid. Um, but the seed was planted in that moment. Like, oh, you know what? I am in a position to maybe change this terrible, tragic, criminal situation. Um, And I emailed a friend of mine, Dr. Sarah Valentine. I don't know if you know her, but she's really big in the autoimmune protocol movement. And she and I had been talking the year before about formula. She had asked us. She's been advising our company for years. And um, I'm like, any chance you want to help me make this unicorn product and change the world? And to my great surprise and delight, she said yes. So we worked on it for two years. We finally launched our, um, let's see, what the, 
our A2 grass-fed whole milk formula last year, so the summer of 2021. But I am so proud of it. And I would say one of the, I mean, we basically, it's, it's the same as the pouches. The format looks the same. It's in the same little can. It's powder you scoop, right? But everything else is different. The, every macronutrient source is different. The fats, proteins, and carbs, all different. Way upgraded sources. Vitamin, the vitamins are way better. For me, the thing I'm most proud of, if I have to boil it down to one thing, it's really the fat profile. Human milk, as one could imagine, is a complex, diverse, wildly ranging type of substance and the the fatty acid ratios and just the fat profile in general is really complex and difficult which is another reason it's hard to make formula because it is if you're really if you're trying to mimic breast milk which maybe not everyone is but i think everyone is to some extent um then it is hard to mimic and we use eight different kinds of fats in here that are really great sources and that approximated human milk as close as possible. More closely than any than oh, yeah. ever. Way created. closer. The fatty acid profile in general, Sarah, you know, read over 200 papers on breast milk, like international studies of breast milk, everything ever written in English. She looked at, she mapped the nutritional profile, and then she looked at hundreds of ingredients and did a matchmaking game to figure out, you know, how we can right ratio really mimic breast milk more than anything else ever has. And of course, we'll never replace it. It's too yeah. magical, but we were going to try to get as close as possible. And, and this product is, you know, I feel unequivocally the the closest thing to breast milk ever created. Um, the fats being one part, the A2 protein mm-hmm. being another huge part of it, the lactose sweetener and see the lactose carbs instead of, of instead of corn syrup. syrups or rice syrups, it's lactose, which is the same as breast milk. You know, the vitamin sources, there's some prebiotic fiber, uh, you know, there's the 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 non-inflammatory methylated B. So it's, you know, just the best source of everything. Whenever we could, we whenever there was a choice, it was always for nutrition. Never for price or ease. Or organic status. Or any kind of status. It's not officially organic because we use wild algal oil in a decent percentage, which you can't make a wild food classified as organic. And therefore, we weren't able to have it be certified organic, even though all the ingredients in there, except for that one, right, are pretty much organic. Yeah. Um, But we decided what's better for babies. Mm -hmm. And that was the better choice. Oh, that's so interesting. Also, what an epic product that you guys made. I'm so grateful when, uh, well, I want to backtrack really fast and just say this for everyone listening and to you as well. I want to be really sensitive um, to all of this because I I recognize and realize that this is such a sensitive topic for women. And there's a lot of women that are dealing with the devastating of, you know, their non-ability to be able to feed their child with breast milk. Um, This is also just, it, it's funny because it comes to this like weird intersection of like, I'm so passionate about this conversation because the formulas that we're giving moms, like right when they give birth, you know, out of the hospital um, are the ones that we're like, just really throwing all the marketing and advertising behind. And they're the cheapest ones. So they're the most accessible are garbage. And it makes me so sad because like where I come from and what we've been talking about this entire episode is like, I really want to see humans thriving and living healthy. And, you know, so that's, 
But I just wanted to say I'm I'm also like my heart goes out to women that are struggling with this and like hopefully there are more resources for women and and I'm so grateful for people like you guys that are cre- creating these products that are providing healthier options for people. So I just wanted to say that to be sensitive to it because I know it's a hard subject. Yeah, the mo- moms want to breastfeed. Like the study's very clear that every mom pretty much really wants to breastfeed. People, moms don't not breastfeed because they are lazy or they yeah. don't, you know, they really either have circumstances where they just cannot. Like they have to go back to work. Largely economic. There's no guaranteed maternity leave in this country. You're lucky if you get two weeks unpaid, you know, so trying to work full time and breastfeed is really, really tough. And then there's just a lot of miseducation. There's just a lot of moms, they, yeah. they're told they shouldn't or that it's not important or that formula is better or just as good or, you know, there's all kinds of, of education lacking there's, resources. The- in South America, there are a lot of babies who get their lip and tongue ties revised at birth, mm-hmm. and they have a much higher rate of breastfeeding for longer. And that was actually one of our issues, was that Dellen needed a lip tie revision. And as soon as that she had that surgery, nursing stopped hurting. And it was like, what? This is what it could be like? Because I was in so much pain for so many months, it was awful. So I'm actually, next month, August, is Breastfeeding Awareness Month. And I'm going to start an education campaign. So I'm just planting the seed (laughs) for those listeners who might be moms or be thinking about becoming moms, that lip and tongue ties are a thing that can interfere with nursing and that they are very easy to correct. So a lot of things that interfere, it shouldn't hurt. A lot of moms think it just should hurt. So there's lots of lactation consultants. There's lots of resources. There's all this fear about supply. Oh, my supply isn't enough. They're not eating enough. I need to supplement with formula because my supply isn't enough. Like all this shame, your supply is enough. Like it's very, very rare that your supply isn't enough for your baby. And if you start introducing formula, it actually decreases your supply and it creates this cycle of formula dependency that that leads to full weaning and so there's there's just so many myths there's so much shame around it there's so much pressure and it's also so hard being a new mom period is hard so hard much less having to go online and doing research and having meetings with lactation consultants I mean that's hard and it's having to hard. go back to work and <laughs> having trouble so getting supported by your partner I mean that's dehydration just, is a thing yeah I was super yeah. dehydrated so I didn't I didn't really have good electrolyte balances and now there's element packets. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but there's a whole myriad of factors that are caused by civilization and us living in these toxic and stressful environments that make it really, really tricky. But I applaud any mom that tries, that succeeds, that tries and fails, right? Trying it all is um, not, not easy. I was just, in fact, I was just looking at a meme on, on Facebook the other day. And it was something like a nursing mom nurses for one year. Here it is. Providing breast milk for one year takes roughly 1,825 hours. If you have a full-time job and three weeks vacation, it's 1,960. It's about the exact same amount. And that's with three weeks off and weekends off. So it is so much work. One of my best girlfriends just had a baby two months ago. And just being along her side and witnessing how much she has to feed the baby. It's, yeah, it's wild. It's, it's very time consuming. Um, well, and, and back to your point, Joe, that I wanted to stress a little bit more. I think what a lot of women, um, are in the dark about is this education piece because I had never heard this. I had a woman recently, a doula on my podcast, and she talked about this very thing. She was like, it's important that women know that there's different things that could be hindering your baby from latching. Like for example, the tongue tie, the lip tie. And these are things that if a mom knew and could remedy it, 
then your problem is no longer a problem. Or for example, there's a thing happening now um, because they put fentanyl in epidurals. So like women listening, um, if you don't know this, if you're getting an epidural, no shame, no problem, but just make sure you tell them I want it without fentanyl because they put it together. And what's happening is the baby's now coming out or like super drugged up and then they can't latch. And then the mom panics and then they just throw them on formula immediately instead of knowing and realizing that they need to, well, one, don't, don't get the fentanyl. But also if that happens, know that like the baby just needs a little bit of time to come out of the drowsiness and whatever. So there's a lot, there's a lot of education. And on top of that, and you mentioned this, but it's important to stress um, because of, so we forget that these these formula companies have massive marketing budgets and they're telling women that formula is better than breast milk. So a lot of women are doing this thinking that they're doing better for their baby. And so it's, you know, they, they think like, oh, breastfeeding is fine. Like, I don't actually really need to do it. And, you know, this is a small subset of women and no shame if you felt that way in the past. But this is why where education comes in to show that these formulas are here for um, cases when, you know, when you really can't do anything else, but breastfeeding really, if you can do it and if you can be educated on the ways to do it, to get over the humps of it being super hard, that's where you're going to find success. Yeah, the f formula companies are actually pharmaceutical companies. It's the same people who make drugs and who buy into this Western medicine idea that people need doctors and drugs to make themselves healthy, that food and lifestyle and intuition and spirituality, none of those things matter for health. The only thing that can make you healthy is our drugs and our expert doctors telling you what to do and that, you know, that's their mentality. They're not evil. They're not trying to hurt people, I don't think. They just genuinely believe that the only way to be healthy is to have the, the, the essentially people are born diseased. Infancy is a disease that well, must be treated. Childbirth is a disease to be medicated. Pregnancy, mm -hmm. right? They treat it all as if, it's a, as if it's a disease to be treated as opposed to a natural thing that's happened for thousands of years that should just be mostly left alone, mm -hmm. let it run its course uh, unless there's some kind of significant issue. And so that's where formula like childbirth, like pregnancy is, is highly informed by Western medicine and this idea that what we want to tightly control what a baby eats, they can't control breast milk. But their, but their worldview is such that says babies need medicine, which formula is medicine, these synthetic vitamins. The rice cereal is the same way. Like I kept asking why do pediatricians still recommend fortified rice cereal as a first food? Like there's just, it's full of arsenic. It causes constipation. There's no nutrition. Like no, 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 there's no science around this. Why would doctors recommend this? And all I can come up with from talking to progressive pediatricians who obviously don't recommend that is that they the the synthetic the synthetic iron is is the treatment for the disease of infancy <laughs> it's like this idea that you need this fake iron because you're iron deficient and we can't control how much beef you get or spinach you get or how much iron is in the beef or how much iron is in the spinach, even though the evidence is very clear that there's lots more iron in beef and spinach. It's and it's more digestible. And it's much more absorbable. And then the, the fake iron in, in, in the, the rice cereal has lots of problems, but, but just there, this worldview has to shift. And that's how I was raised. When I got sick, I went to the doctor and got on antibiotics multiple times a year. That's just kind of how it worked. And wow. I'm so grateful that my dad was a health nut and found his way here and I hopped on board that train and I got Joe on it and my kid and now like my business, you know, it's really, yeah. um, 
it's a it's a luxury that I have and I have a lot of privilege around it that and I am really trying to help spread that spread the word. Mm-hmm. Most people forget that we really don't know that much about food or the human body. We think we know a lot, but the more you learn and the more you uncover, the more you realize how much you don't know. This podcast alone has been such a learning experience of me for me because I've been studying and I've been studying nutrition in this world for, you know, like 17 years. And then I get these amazing experts and doctors and nutritionists come on my podcast and I'm like, I've never heard that before. Wow. And you're just reminded of that we know so little and we've we think that we know, like, so with these formulas, you know, we think that we've like, okay, we've whittled it down to all these synthetic vitamins and, um, these seed oils or whatever it is. And, um, this will be enough nutrition to provide for the baby. But it's like, we don't actually really know that. Vitamins are only a hundred years old. If you think about a clinical trial on someone's life, that's a 40 year time span. So like how many of those trials can we really have done and building upon that body of knowledge? Like it will take centuries to even get like halfway there. Mm -hmm. So we are ignorantly assuming or maybe arrogantly assuming that we know a lot more than we really do. The comforting thing is our bodies know. That's right. And our babies know. And the earth knows. Right. Right? And the resilience. And we talk about these garbage formulas, how many babies eat them and how well most people turn out you know i mean there's there's different things with disease and chronic illness or whatever but by and large like humans are incredibly resilient yep. it's very hard to to actually hurt us we can recover from almost anything and you know that's our there's so much intuition you know you know in learning to trust our own bodies but i think especially when it comes to pregnancy childbirth raising babies, raising children, that's the most important thing is trusting our, 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 that it's going to be okay, that we actually know mom's intuition knows what's right for her baby, regardless of what all the experts say. So get out of this idea that science has an explanation for everything, or you need to go to your doctor for everything, whether you're doing it wrong. So much, everything is telling us to doubt ourselves, especially women are told to doubt their knowing, their intuition, moms are blamed for everything. So, you know, we really, that's, that's where the real knowledge is, is in that, in this, in that deeper knowing. I'm so glad that you brought this up. I talk about this all the time. And I think, um, I have found, so this is anecdotal in my own personal experience, but the more that I've cleaned up my diet and I've eaten more, um, you know, like whole, real, clean foods, the more in touch I've been able to get in with my intuition. Like one of the hardest questions I get on my Instagram from people is like, will you make me a meal plan? Like, what do I eat? And I'm like, I don't, you got to like get in touch with your body because I'm very intuitively led, but, but it took me a long time to get there because I had to get through all the cravings of the highly palatable processed foods and and that's the thing is we forget that we are, our bodies are highly intelligent and they know what we need, but we're being inundated and we're getting very confused because we're, we're just being thrown all these highly processed foods that are, you know, highly palatable, super addictive. Um, they're food scientists that are creating these like specific um, ratios of fat, sugar, and salt to just make it so addictive that you're no longer in tune with what you're actually, what your body actually is craving and really needs. So it's important that we get back in tune with that intuitive nature so that we can really feed ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and starting at infancy is part of our yes. mission is if we start, can start kids off at the very beginning on these nutrient dense foods, you talked about the flavor window and the palate development, you know, that's permanent, that yep. six months to 18 months 
palate flavor window, that your palate preferences are formed for life. So all these sugary purees are really leading, leading to that sugar addiction, leading to, of course, the children's food industry is also full of sugar and grain, which we want to eventually change and make children's food products, you know, but that's, but that's like, you know, we change in ourselves and start to trust our, ourselves and then really set our, our kids up for success from day one, you know, with focusing on on breast milk and better formulas if, if, if needed, and then, you know, really nutrient-dense foods like ours. Yes. Okay, I have two more questions about the formula specifically, because I want to um, make this really clear for people. Why can't you say that your formula is okay for infants? We are officially a toddler formula. So the process to become infant formula certified is a multi-year, three to four years dealing with the FDA right now, maybe longer, and a multi-million dollar process. So mm-hmm. first you have to give the, the product to a control group and uh, an experimental group of mice. Mice hate lactose. So you've got to get these mice to, to grow with your product and a lactose heavy formula is going to be harder to succeed there. And then you mm-hmm. actually give the product to a, te- to a control group and an experimental group of, of actual real life human babies. And there are some, I think, some ethical issues for me around feeding babies and as using babies as a as a science experiment. But also, it is it's just really, really long. It's super resource intensive, and in my opinion, it's a little bit antiquated and outdated because the formula that they're using as that control group was designed in the 1970s. So it's the Infant Formula Act of 1980 that's governing all of these infant formulas. And that's based on 10-year-old science starting from, you had to be back that up even ten, another decade, right? Because legislation takes forever to happen. So that science is maybe from 1970, maybe from the 60s. So it's really, really old science that they're using. And I mean, if I had tons of cash and lots of extra time, I might've started this process. But I'm also like, I know that what I have in my product is excellent and superior and and premium. And I don't want to dumb down my product just to get it certified as infant formula. I was a mom who fed my older, older baby. She was nine months old. I fed her a toddler formula because I had read that, you know, feedback from other parents saying my kid did great on this. So we wanted to go ahead and get this product out to market. I didn't want to wait around three or four or five more years with a big question mark hanging over my head and a giant amount of debt, you know, throttling my business. Um, I wanted to make it available for moms who wanted it now. Mm-hmm. So we can only call a toddler formula recommended for 12 months and up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we it does meet all of the 29 nutrients required for infant formula. Mm-hmm. It is made in an infant formula facility. So really the only step of the process we haven't completed is these are these long and expensive feeding studies, which the U.S. is the only country in the world that requires that. Europe doesn't require that. Uh, so, you know, if we were in Europe, we likely could have been an infant formula already. Um, and the, and right now the FDA is giving emergency infant mm-hmm. formula certification to a lot of products like ours. We're in the process of applying for that. So we might be able to, to start marketing it to infant, infants sooner than later. But for now, you know, health. We all we can say is that you talk to your health practitioner, make a make a decision. We have a really awesome one pager you can download from our website to bring to your health practitioner. If you want to say, hey, does this formula look like it's safe for mm-hmm. for my baby? A lot of moms do their own research and compare, you know, nutritions and ingredients or read reviews from other moms. So there are definitely lots of parents using our product with their infants 
as their exclusive food source, you know, if they're exclusively formula fed, mm-hmm. that was what we intended it to be for. We designed it to be for nutritionally. that. Nutritionally, that was the goal. Yeah. And we do take all the quality precautions knowing that moms may do that. Um, but until until either the FDA changes their process or we're able to get the right resources will be considered a toddler formula. Yeah, I will say that if I was if I had a, an infant right now and I needed formula, I would give this to my kid. So this is the only one that I would give. So just for all those, you know, future moms or or current moms listening, that's what I would do. Um, and also for people that don't know what A2 milk is, can you explain that? Yeah, so A2 beta casein protein is one of the proteins that's in milk. And A, so there's A1 and A2. And A2 is most mammal milks around the globe. Camels, goats, lots of different, many cows produce A2 milk. Human. human humans produce A2 milk. <laughs> and then there was, during the kind of agricultural millennia, some cows have been bred to produce A1 milk, which is a different kind of protein that has this beta casomorphin type um, peptide on there. And it's kind of an accident. We were breeding cows for quantity of milk yeah. rather than quality. And what happened was the nutrition got degraded. Yeah. And this A1 protein uh, mutation occurred in, in, in cattle. And now that's the primary dairy cow in the world is this, is this weird A1 protein that's hard to digest. Exactly. So it's harder to digest. And that's why we knew we wanted to choose A2 because human milk is A2 and um, we wanted to make, you know, every bite count, every sip count. So any, anyone who's fed a baby knows that spit up is not fun. You're like, wait a second, I just spent 45 minutes feeding that baby and now it's all coming back out. This is terrible. So we wanted to make sure that whatever nutrition went in was digestible and that those nutrients could be could become digested and we're super proud of the farm alexander family farm has been doing a two regeneratively farm dairy for you know 20 years 20 plus years they were the first certified regenerative farm in america so by the by the savory institute by they're the first regenerative dairy and one of the first ever and they're incredible family Mm -hmm. you can watch the video and and learn about uh you know their their group out out in California. You can get their milk in all Whole Foods now too. You, so they Whole Foods sells A2 whole milk, whole two skim milk um, from that same farm. And then it's in, they're just regenerating the planet amazing. There's the, this carbon sequestration, yeah. the soil microbial growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of positive impact they've made on the land through raising uh, cows, both for dairy and for beef, as well as chickens and eggs uh, and this multi-species approach. Mm-hmm really revolutionary and the milk quality is so high that we didn't have to add as many vitamins you it's know true. we tested wow. it and there's so many more naturally occurring vitamins plus the taste is different and many people who can't tolerate dairy probably can tolerate a2 dairy that a lot of dairy allergy is actually an a1 sensitivity mm-hmm. so interesting okay so i have a question for you guys personal question that i ask all my guests what are your health non-negotiables? These are things that no matter how crazy busy your day is, whether it's lifestyle, diet, whatever it is, these are health non-negotiables that you do on a daily basis to um, ensure that you're in good health. Mine have changed over the years. When I was healing my gut, I was extremely strict. I had no gluten. I had no dairy for years at a time. I mean, I think I went three years, not one speck of either of those things. 
And I've loosened up a little bit because my gut has gotten healthier and I can digest things. We just went on a cruise and I got to eat pan au chocolat from Italy and it was lovely. But for me right now, as a new mom, my non-negotiable is sleep. I, we, we have elaborate sleep rituals, protocols. We, we take turns every other night. He takes the baby, I take the baby. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of moms take the baby every night. So I'm just plugging out there, moms. You can trade, we, we take turns, we both work. It, it works for us. Mm-hmm. And um, I really think that that has severely, uh, positively affected my mental health, which affects everything about my life. I'm a better mom, I'm a, I'm a better wife I'm a, I'm a better friend I'm a better boss I'm you know I'm better at everything yeah. and I'm just that much happier it's awesome I was gonna say meat is like oh, first and foremost yeah. the like take away everything else give me I, I could eat nothing but meat all day long like mm-hmm. if I, I could be straight carnivore if I if that was what I had to do if it's non-negotiable I was gonna say sleep as well is like where a lot of our energy is spent on ensuring right? really so. good sleep but even before that we were very committed to sleep like the importance of eight to nine hours full dark you know full blackout room like really important sleep rituals because we run a startup and it is stressful Mm -hmm. and we are the second we're out of bed we are running full speed so having that break is we didn't always prioritize sleep and it had negative effects i really need a vigorous adrenaline based exercise regimen water skiing is my favorite i slalom ski and that's my favorite but things like that mountain biking things that get my that i get really amped up i i don't always prioritize it but i really notice it when i do well when i don't like if i if i don't get that i start to get tight and grumpy um and then we've been looking at our our metabolic health a lot lately yeah, with right. monitors really looking at it's not about not eating carbs or sugar but eating it in the right way like balancing it with fat and protein you know, using blood sugar lowering tricks like vinegar and cinnamon pills, you know, just really like consciously eating carbs, not just mindlessly eating them. But now I know like what time of day I can eat them and what I need to combine it with or like I need the protein appetizer before the sweet cocktail, you know, like the the blood sugar monitor really helps me hack that and understand how I can have some carbs and sugar without it really affecting my overall health. That's so important. And more people need to understand that. And also, I love that you brought up meat because I, outside of my like eating meat daily in my meals, I have one of those Paleo Valley, the grass fed beef sticks almost every day. And I literally, I joke, I'm like, this is a vitamin for me, but it's true. You got to try the Rome sticks. They're, they're the first regenerative pork farmer. Mm-hmm. They make a, a fermented pork stick that's so sugar-free, fermented, really good, you know, five fat, five protein, every stick. So yeah. I need to get more of those. Yum. Well, for everyone listening, what are ways they can support your mission? And then where can they find Serenity Kids? Yeah, we have an awesome website, myserenitykids.com. There's a store locator on there. We're in over 10,000 stores nationwide. So probably we're in a grocery store near you. Um, well, so you can buy all our products from the website. We have a great subscription option there to set it and forget it. Uh, we're on Amazon, Thrive Market, you know, a lot of online grocery stores. 
Um, and then, and then any natural food store we have, you know, Whole Foods has all our products nationwide. So you can get to any Whole Foods, also Sprouts and natural grocers and co-ops, but a lot of conventional, we're in Walmart and Target and Kroger and, and, and places like that. And, uh, you know, I think best way to support the mission, nobody ever asked me that before. I would say tell your, t- tell your <laughs> yes, friends. Spread the word. Spread the word. You know, okay. share, share mm-hmm. our, you know, we do a lot of education uh, on Instagram. So a lot of shareable posts mm-hmm. on regenerative agriculture or on, on meat Supporting or on sugar moms. or on, yeah, how to, on, you know, memes around uh, helping moms trust themselves and, and you know, have, have more support. So you can share us with friends. You can join our email list. There's lots of opportunities there. We have, we have people buy variety packs for like their sister yeah, or buy their products. grandson, yeah, things like that. that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one way to get the word out. Yeah. Or awesome. eat them yourself. They're great. A lot of adults eat the pouches. A lot of adults yeah. eat the puffs. There's so few packaged food that is genuinely convenient, good in every nice. way from the sourcing to the taste. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, our bone broth pouches, I think, are delicious. Yeah. I, eat our, I eat our turmeric chicken pouch regularly. Like you said, the puffs are great. Yeah, I love it. Oh, well, thank you guys so much for coming on. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. If you liked this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let me know. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. The theme song is called Heaven by the amazing singer Georgie, spelled with a J. Love you guys so much. See you next week. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and doesn't constitute a provider-patient relationship. I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. As always, talk to your doctor or your health team first.